0: Alex has the night off, and during the 2016 campaign, Donald Trump gave a plethora of excuses as to why he would break decades of precedent and not release his tax returns. Um, He said repeatedly, I am being audited, so I can't. And then he offered this classic one quote, I don't think anybody cares. There was this one, quote, the only ones that care about my tax returns are the reporters, even said a handful of times, quote, there's nothing to learn from them. Now, House Democrats did not agree with any of that. In fact, during his presidency, uh, there were multiple House committee requests of Trump's tax returns, all to no avail. But one committee, the Ways and Means Committee, a very powerful committee in the Congress, uh, because it is a committee that actually oversees tax policies and taxes in general, they had something other committees did not have. It is written in federal law that the chairman could request any taxpayer's tax returns. So they had the law on their side with their request. In April 2019, when the House Ways and Means Committee chair requested six years of then President Donald Trump and his enterprise's tax returns, it seemed at the time like an open and shut case. Chairman Richard Neal explained at the time that his committee needed to examine Trump's tax returns for, quote, legitimate legislative legal and oversight purposes to examine the IRS's policy of auditing the tax returns of sitting presidents to see what, if any, laws needed to be amended or clarified. To no one's surprise, the Trump Treasury Department refused to hand them over. And as you can imagine, a legal battle ensued. But then something happened in 2021. A new president took office and a deal was reached for the committee to finally get those tax returns. And then, as again, you can imagine, Trump sued the committee to block them from obtaining those tax returns. And finally, today, after a long court battle, today, just today, the committee finally got their answer. The Supreme Court of the United States, in a two-sentence order, denied Trump's request to block the tax returns from being handed over. Trump's last-ditch attempt to stop the committee from obtaining those tightly-held tax returns failed. And now the committee is clear to get those six years' worth of tax returns from Donald Trump and some of his businesses. But... It's not exactly clear as to when they will get those tax returns. While that all is all welcome news for House Democrats, the reality is the clock is ticking in terms of what legislative priorities the committee can recommend by examining Trump's tax returns. In just 42 days, the new Republican-controlled Congress will be sworn in and Democrats will officially be in the minority, meaning in political terms, Republicans, as they have said, will shut down that request for the tax returns. TikTok. tock over in one of the federal investigations into Trump today, a federal appeals court in Atlanta heard arguments in the Justice Department's appeal of the special master appointment. You know, the special master who is refu- reviewing the government's records that were found at Mar-a-Lago. Now, the Justice Department today calling the appointment an intrusion and arguing that the Trump nominated judge in Florida should have never appointed a special master in the first place the three-judge panel of the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals seemed poised to agree with the government and toss out that special master order. Here's the Washington Post report about today's arguments, in part reading, quote, Chief Judge William Pryor seemed to criticize Trump's team for asking for a special master without proving that the initial search was illegal. If you can't establish that it was unlawful, he said, then what are we doing here? Look, we don't know when a ruling will be handed down. It could come at any time. But the fact that in the last 42 days of being in the majority, Democrats have finally cleared the way to obtain six years of Trump and his businesses and their tax returns, that is a big deal, period. What could they learn? What do they plan on doing with that information? And most importantly, when will they get their hands on those tax returns? Joining me now is Congressman Bill Pascrell of New Jersey. He is a member of uh, the House and Ways and Means Committee and chair of its subcommittee on oversight. Uh, Congressman Pascrell, thank you so much for being here. Uh, A very significant development today. Let me start with this pressing question that I think is on everyone's mind. When do you expect your committee to receive Donald Trump's tax returns? And will it be before the end of this session of Congress?
1: It better be, Amen. <laughs> it better be. We've waited three, 1,329 days. This is the beginning of the litigation. And I'm telling you, it's going to be the first subject that comes up at our first meeting when we get back from Thanksgiving. It has to happen. I already talked to the chairman of our committee, Richard Neal. He's done a great job in using a very deliberative approach, a fair approach. This is not about one man. This is about the Constitution. We say it all the time. Do we mean it? And we're showing that we mean it. I started this quest in February of 2017. I've introduced, with my brothers and sisters in the Congress, 1,800 resolutions. I asked the chairman of the Ways and Means Committee at that time, my very good friend from Texas, I asked the chairman, let's do this together. In February of 2017, the president has already been sworn in. Let's do it together. Any question of partisanship, he laughed at me. I guess I should have known better. But I pursued it because that's my job. When I'm elected, when I was elected 25 years ago, My job was to work for the American people, not only in the district I was elected to, but the entire country. We don't have a constitution for every district. This is the same constitution for the entire nation. And I'm proud of what we've done. And I intend to pursue, guaranteed, a week from today when we get back into the Congress, that'll be the first question on my mind when Ways and Means Committee meets. All right, so and we are not going to joke around. Nobody is above the law. Hear me. Read my lips, Mr. President, former
0: yeah, very important words. Obviously oversight is an incredible part of this. You just outlined that this has been years in the making. My question to you realistically, when Democrats get their hands on this or when the Congress or the committee gets their hands on this, uh, you're only going to be in power for a few more weeks. Realistically, what can Ways and Means do with the information the committee gleans from these tax returns? Well,
1: 6103 subsection J, uh, subsection F, I'm sorry. It's very clear. We are not allowed to scream to the heavens when we get this document. We have to honor it. It's confidential. We will decide one way or the other what will be made public. And I believe that the entire nation should have the main knowledge from this report of what happened and how did the President of the United States. Use the jive about having an audit of his own, prevent him from telling us or showing us, like every president since Richard Nixon, show, have his uh, uh, income tax, his tax returns uh, made public. We'll decide that. We can't just go willy nilly, and we're not going to do it. We've honored the law, and that's why when I dusted off 6103, back in 2017, no one understood what the heck I was talking about. Because that, when you're dealing with tax law, you have to understand that it's not just about how you put a budget together, or whether you tax people or don't. It's the law itself. There are some caveats, there are some very important messages in the tax code that's over a hundred years old before we even had the income tax. Our brothers and sisters back then knew what they were talking about. The public needs to be protected. So when Nixon said, I'm not a crook, well, show us then your tax returns. We All want right. to know if there's any special interest in here. The public has a right to know that. The public has a right to know where you're invested in another country. This country knows right now with the knowledge that has been put in the papers without us even having the taxes in front of us, we know that Richard Nix, Donald Trump made deals with the oligarchs in Europe all over the world. And what are the commitments that he made to Mr. Putin or the oligarchs in the Soviet Union? What are those commitments to? That's another day. So I'm telling you when answering your question, We will be on this next week. We're already on it, discussing. But when we get back in committee form, we will do this. Amen. this is critical for the nation. This is a big deal. This is something very important.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, indeed, all very important questions and allegations worth looking into. And uh, we'll see after uh, next week what comes of of these tax returns. Congressman Bill Pascrell, uh, a member of the House Ways and Means Committee and the chair of its subcommittee on oversight, sir. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Greatly appreciate it. Uh, I want to turn now to Neil Katyal, former U.S. acting solicitor general during the Obama administration, now professor of law at Georgetown University. Uh, Neil, it's great to see you again. Thank you so much for being here tonight. So let me hone in on Trump's tax returns for a moment. Is it surprising to you that the court cleared the way for the House like this?
2: It's not surprising, amen. and not a single justice publicly dissented today, which says a lot about Trump's application. It reminds me of when our chief justice, John Roberts, was in private practice. And one day he called his client and said, I've got bad news for you. Uh, we lost nine to zero. And the client says, how could that have happened? And John Roberts, without missing a beat, says, well, it's because there weren't 10 justices on the Supreme Court. And, you know, for Donald Trump today, there weren't 10 justices on the Supreme Court. And that's lucky for him. He have lost all 10 then. This is the third time he's lost at the Supreme Court this year, most notably losing to the January 6th Committee on Executive Privilege 8 to 1. And it's significant because he's been trying to hide these tax returns for over three and a half years, first modern president to do so. And the Supreme Court was having none of it today. Not surprising.
0: So, so Neil, on the hearing today in the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals in Atlanta over the appointment of the special master in the Mar-a-Lago case, which is the other case that we've been uh, tracking, you tweeted you don't think you've heard an oral argument go worse uh, for someone. Why do you think the hearing went so poorly for Trump? I mean, you just described all of the legal setbacks he's had this year on a host of different fronts. Now you have this one today and you're describing it as as pretty bad.
2: Yeah. So this is just for our viewers' sake, this is a totally different thing than the tax returns. This is about the Mar-a-Lago investigation where Trump stole a bunch of documents, highly classified and otherwise. And he went to uh, a judge that he basically shopped for uh, to say, I need a special master. And he got that special master. But the government said, hey, we're going to appeal this thing. And today was the appeal. And I'd say this was a train wreck, but I don't think that quite does justice to just how badly this went for Donald Trump today. I mean, the panel was skeptical of Everything that Trump's lawyer said. And yes, I think it went as poorly as any appellate argument I've ever seen. And I don't think it's about Trump's lawyer, by the way. Trump's lawyer is a good lawyer. It's not that. It's just that his argument was horrible. He had to defend the indefensible. He had to defend this judge in Florida, Judge Cannon, who wrote, you know, a ruling that was to put it mildly, bonkers. And so You know, you can never totally predict, but I think here we can predict what's going to happen, which is the Justice Department is going to get what it wants, which is to end this special master thing they're not afraid of the special master special right. master is a great judge judge Deary but they're just saying as a matter of propriety nobody gets to go and have a federal judge and a special master oversee their criminal investigation there's literally no precedent for it Trump can come up with a single his lawyer could come up with a single time in American history that that had ever happened. And so they're going to lose, the special master will be over, and then the criminal investigation into Donald Trump about stealing these classified and national security documents can proceed.
0: If I know anything about Donald Trump, and you certainly know more about his legal strategy than I do, it seems that this will probably get appealed to the Supreme Court. So how soon would you expect to get a ruling from the 11th Circuit? And do you anticipate, as he has done time and time again, as a delay tactic, not as a legal argument, that he will try to take this to the Supreme Court just to put a pause on it?
2: Yeah, he's going to try, and I suspect he'll lose exactly the way he lost today, 9-0. to zero. Um, But, you know, here there's more time than in the tax return thing, because here, Eamon, the Justice Department is at least under Merrick Garland for the next two years and President Biden, so there's no way to truncate that criminal investigation. With the tax returns thing, by contrast, and this is what you're talking about with the congressman, the House is going to switch control, and these tax returns are only being given to the House. That suggests to me two things. Number one, it seems to me we should be, the House should be thinking about how to work with the Senate to transfer this tax investigation to the Senate when control changes Mm -hmm. so that this information won't all be buried and never see the light of day. And number two, with respect to the congressman. I appreciate that he's, you know, so forthright. But, you know, I don't see why they're waiting for Thanksgiving. I think they should be in there tomorrow demanding these documents, you know, cancel Thanksgiving. These documents are important. They should be looking through these documents right now. Uh, You know, the clock is ticking.
0: A part of me wishes I would have spoken to you before Bill Pascrell, so I could turn around and ask him, will you transfer those tax documents to the Senate to continue the investigation? Uh, Neil, we're we're always appreciative of your insights, uh, rightfully so, as you can see. Always a pleasure, my friend. Good to see you. Thank you. Uh, Neil Cattell, former U.S. Acting Solicitor General there during the Obama administration now at Georgetown University. Much more ahead this hour. Don't go anywhere. In just a moment, we are going to talk live with Richard Fiera, one of the heroes of the shooting at Club Q in Colorado Springs. Uh, he helped subdue the gunman that night and in the process saved many, many more lives. He joins us live next. Wi-Fi device checklist. Laptops on. TVs streaming. Game console console. Smart thermostat. Set for cuddle time. Doorbell
2: camera. Whoa, my package is here.
3: Fast, reliable, able to power tons of devices inside your home at once.
2: All systems go. You are clear for
3: takeoff. This is Xfinity
0: Internet, Wi-Fi built to wow. And watch the short film, The Aviators, now playing at Xfinity.com. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Earlier today, Colorado Springs residents called on their city council leaders to do more to protect LGBTQ plus members of their community after a violent attack at a local bar on Saturday night. Now, as of tonight, uh, the suspect is in jail. Just a few hours ago, the man suspected of shooting and killing five people and injuring others at Club Q in Colorado Springs was transferred from a hospital to an El Paso, Colorado jail. Colorado State Court Administrator's Office says he's expected to appear in court virtually tomorrow afternoon from jail. Formal charges are expected to follow. Now, officials say two people at the club that night stopped the gunman from killing more people. Today, we learned one of those heroes is Thomas James. James is a U.S. Navy sailor who is now also recovering from injuries sustained while subduing the shooter. The other hero who helped take down the gunman is decorated combat veteran Richard Fierro who left the Army in 2013 after three tours of Iraq and a tour of Afghanistan. He served for 14 years. And on Saturday, when he was at Club Q with his family, supporting one of the drag performers who was a friend of his daughter, he said he went into combat mode. When he, the shooter, opened fire, he raced across the floor, pulled the gunman to the ground, got on top of him, and started hitting the gunman with his own pistol. Colorado Springs Mayor John Souther says that together, James and Fierro quote, saved a lot of lives. And earlier today, White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre told reporters that President Biden had called Richard Fierro and his wife, Jess, to thank him for his bravery and to offer condolences. Their daughter's boyfriend was killed on Saturday night. Joining us now is Richard Fierro, the Army veteran who served three tours in Iraq and one in Afghanistan and helped stop the gunman on Saturday at Club Q. Uh, Richard, first of all, uh, thank you so much for being here tonight. Thank you for your bravery in that moment. Let me start by asking you and how your family is doing. How are you doing? I I know that it has been a very difficult time. Uh, As I mentioned, your family lost a loved one that night. How are you coping?
4: Uh, obviously it's difficult I, I do want to uh, take this time and, I, and I, I don't know if I have uh, just to thank everyone um We are completely overwhelmed um by the everybody's generosity and and just the kind words that people are putting out I, I got it people have differences of opinions and things like that but I just hope that it, it continues to stay positive. There are five people five families that deserve. Uh, a positive, positive vibe. And, and I think that's where, where I'm humbled uh, by what people are, are doing right now.
0: Yeah, as, uh, as the mayor said, you, you saved many, many lives. And I think that should not be lost uh, on anyone, even in this tragedy that we continue to reel from in this country. Um, who helped you fight the gunman that night? And, and how did you manage to keep him at bay until authorities came? Tell us a little bit about uh, what happened exactly.
4: So I, I, I mean, I don't. I've, I've run through this so many times. I, I don't want to put families or anyone through that over and over again. I, I think the bigger, the bigger piece there is that I was not alone. Uh, no one in there was alone. Everybody was doing heroic actions. Um gen- That Thomas, the gentleman Thomas, there uh, helped me uh, with the initial, you know, getting that that person down and and just keeping them there. Um, and then, uh, another individual had come by and assisted Tom. I don't know what his injuries were. I still don't. Um, I just know that, that I, I could feel like he was, something was hurting him. Um, and he was slowing down and kicking, but we were kind of both pushing each other to keep this guy down. Um, I, I think you have to talk yourself into doing things that sometimes, uh, is just, I really not human.
0: Uh, as I mentioned, um, the White House says the president gave you and your wife a call today. Can you tell us more about your conversation with the president, or at least just share with us how you felt receiving uh, that call?
4: Um, for me, I, I'm a, I'm an old soldier, man. I, I, I'm not a retiree. I, I just served as best I could for as long as I could. Um, my, my family has served uh, since my grandfather, my uncles. My, uh, my cousin, my brother, my dad, I was draftee in Vietnam. My, my grandfather was World War II. Um, we've served this nation. And for, for a president to call a Fiero was was honorable for us. I don't care what president it is. For any of us to receive a call from the president, It it's just an honor.
0: How do you feel knowing um, that the gunman will appear in court tomorrow is expected to be formally charged after that appearance? What are your thoughts on, um, on what should play out for this gunman?
4: I, I've said some things that I probably shouldn't, and, and I, I'm just that way. I, I'm, and and I, I, I'm kind of going to pull back from all that stuff. But bottom line is, uh, the justice system is going to do what it's going to do. Um, I'm, I'm going to be, you know, an active participant to make sure uh, that Raymond received justice, and the, and the, the the other four individuals received justice. All twenty five uh, injured victims, to include my daughter, received justice. That's all I care about. Uh, I, I'm not. I'm. I'm. A, I, I'm trying not to be a vengeful person. I'm, I'm very angry, um, but you know I, the justice system needs to do what it. Needs to do, and I have confidence in that.
0: We know that many people in the crowd at Club Q that night were celebrating Transgender Day of Remembrance, honoring the lives of people killed due to anti-trans violence. Um, in the past year, we have seen a spike in violence, protests, and even legislation targeting the anti-LGBTQ plus community. How do we as a country um, and as local communities like the one that you live in stop this amplification of bias and, and hateful rhetoric, which so often leads to violence? Do you have hope that there is a way that we can, and if so, what is it?
4: Look, I'm 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 a political guy. Um, I've said this already. Uh, I, I was in the military as an officer. You're not you're not supposed to talk about your political views or, or your opinions. It's about the mission. And for me, you know, I, I think the mission as this country moves forward uh, is that we need to start caring a little bit more about each other. Uh, I got friends that I don't agree with, and we fight but we shake hands and we drink a beer, you know? Um, And there's folks that, you know, we fight and it's just the way it is, you know, but I don't, I I don't live with, with hate or vengeance. And and I hope people will will do the same rhetoric. I I don't care about it. I don't, I don't pay attention to it. I don't waste Mm -hmm. my, my time on it. We only have a small time on on this earth. And, and if you're going to waste it worrying about things that you have no control over or things that don't affect you personally, I feel for you because there's, there's not enough time to do that.
0: We may not have known about Club Q, unfortunately, for this tragic headline. What is it that you would want people to know about what you and your family were experiencing in that moment and what you know about that community other than this tragic headline?
4: I'm like every other American. I mean, everybody has a person in their life that has a different uh, a way of life, a lifestyle, um, a different culture. And, and, and I've always been that way. I've always interacted with folks that, that are outside of my group. Um, and my daughter has probably taught me more than anyone else and my son on how to do that. Uh, these kids in this next generation, I have, I have all the hope that they're going to do the right things and, and move forward. Um, whatever that looks like, it's up to them. Um, I, I, I don't in any way um, think Cub Q is a bad place. I went there having, to have a good time. Um, I treat it just like any other place I would go to, to to have a good time. Colorado Springs is a good community, and people need to understand that. Um, there's always there's always things that, are, that can be improved. But I, I lived here. I, I, I finished my career here because I fell in love with this place, and it means something to all of us. My children uh, finished school here, and, my, and this is home, second home.
0: Richard, um, you represent the best of our country. Thank you so much for everything uh, you have done and everything you have said tonight with uh, so much moral clarity. Greatly appreciate your time. And again, our best to to your family uh, and to your daughter uh, who must be going through a very difficult time. Thank you so much, Richard Farrow, the Army veteran who served three tours in Iraq and one in Afghanistan and one of the heroes who helped save a lot of lives at Club Q. Thank you, sir. Uh, Still to come tonight, I'm going to talk to one of the survivors who was inside at Club Q who was also injured. He joins us from the hospital where he is recovering. And later, we're going to go to Arizona where election fraud conspiracies pushed by Republicans have pushed one election official into hiding. Stay with us. When news breaks, go beyond the headlines with the
2: new MSNBC app. New developments in the legal drama surrounding former President Donald Trump. Get real-time analysis from live blogs to in-depth essays. Video highlights
0: from your favorite shows and hosts.
2: Lots of news of all kinds going on right now.
0: And the latest updates on the 2024 election. The rematch is on. It's Trump-Biden part
2: two. Go beyond the what? To understand the why, download the app now at msnbc.com app. All
0: right, today the Colorado Springs community continues to mourn the five lives lost at Club Q Saturday night while many survivors continue recovering in nearby hospitals. Uh, one of those survivors named Anthony was accompanied by his spouse, Jeremy, as he spoke to the press from a wheelchair about what happened to him that night when he was injured and two of his friends were killed and what he has been going through ever since.
2: It's the first time something has ever happened like
4: this to me. Um, but I just want to say that We are all strong. The community is strong, and we will all get through this. I lost two of my dear friends in the shooting. And being in here, I could not go to any vigils. They took everything away as if they were trying to
5: take my life as well.
0: Anthony, who has decided to keep his full name private, is one of several survivors who remain in the hospital receiving treatment after Saturday's attack. And earlier today, I spoke with another survivor, 63-year-old Ed Sanders, who was still in the hospital after being shot in the torso multiple times on Saturday. He was just there for a night out with a friend. Ed, uh, thank you so much for being with us tonight. I know you must be going through so much, so we greatly appreciate uh, your time. My pleasure. First, just tell me, how how are you feeling physically, mentally, um, as you focus on your recovery?
5: Mentally, I put it off until I get out of the hospital, I think. Uh, and I can grieve privately. But I knew four of the victims. And uh, Kelly was the one that was standing next to me who didn't make it. And uh, Derek and Daniel were standing to the right of me and didn't make it. And so
0: I'm very grateful to be alive. Uh, We are very grateful as well. Um, And again, I'm really sorry for everything that you had to experience and what you're going through. My heart goes out to you and, and everyone else. What do you remember, Ed, about that night? What do you remember seeing and hearing when the shooting started? How did you and the people around you try to care for each other once uh, the shooting stopped? Well, I, I first
5: got hit in the back and I turned around and looked at him and uh the first volley was over after the first hit. And then the second volley got my leg and I, uh, collapsed onto Kelly and, uh, Wyatt. And, uh, Wyatt is one of the performers there. She does comedy routines and, uh, we just were quiet at first uh people were calling for tourniquets and helping each other and uh somebody checked on me and i said i was okay but the lady next to me was in bad shape kelly and uh we tried to encourage her to breathe and uh she She faded away pretty fast.
0: I can tell how emotional uh, this is just by hearing... It was chaotic. The
5: police officer applied my tourniquet, and uh, then four of them carried me out. They triaged us in the parking lot, and the ambulances were waiting, and uh, they took me pretty quickly because of my leg was bleeding out and uh it's a blur from there the ambulance ride and the the ed people were just so wonderful i can't uh praise them enough
0: Um, Ed, I can tell how emotional this is just by by hearing it in your voice. Um, You you obviously knew people who were there, and you've called Club Q and everyone who goes there your family. Uh, You knew some of the people who worked there pretty well, it seems. Tell me a little bit more about what Club Q meant to you and and everyone who spent time there. What was that place to you? I've
5: been going there since they opened uh, 20 years ago. And uh, 2010, when I moved closer to Club Q, I became a regular and uh, I go a couple times a week uh, to support the drag shows, and then we have bingo on Wednesdays that I support, I call bingo sometimes, and uh, it just meant the world to me. Uh, it's It's like home, uh, away from home. I'm close to my family in Missouri, but uh, Club Q uh, filled the void of not having family in town. And uh, it still does. They're wonderful people. I just can't say enough about the community here. It's very close knit and uh, everybody knows everybody. And um, we treat each other like brothers and sisters.
0: Ed, what would you like to say to all the people who were at Club Q? um, And what do you wanna say to everyone around the country who's watching this about Club Q? Well, Club Q is an example of
5: love. They love their customers. They love the family. It's just about love. And I, I want to say to other people that have LGBTQ friends that uh, they need a little love right now. They need uh, a kind post on their Facebook or whatever. Uh, But uh, reach out to your friends and your family that are LGBTQ right now. I think uh, it's more than appreciated.
0: Um, Ed Sanders, thank you very much for your time tonight. We are praying and wishing you a speedy recovery and to everyone else. Thank you so much, Ed. Thank you. Uh, Up next, the midterm elections aren't quite over and in Arizona, election fraud conspiracies have sent one election official into hiding as Republicans continue delaying the certification of key races that have been called. We will talk with the Democrat who is leading the race for attorney general by just over 500 votes. Stay with us. Many election-denying candidates around the country have already admitted defeat, but in Arizona, it's a totally different story. Two weeks after Election Day, you've got Republican Carrie Lake still hanging on, blaming her loss on voter disenfranchisement without providing any evidence. Her campaign sent this fundraising email to supporters today asking them to chip in so she can, quote, make sure that Republicans know that their ballot may not have been counted. Kerry Lake isn't the only one using these kinds of claims to their advantage. In Cochise County, the Republican-controlled Board of Supervisors voted to delay certification of election results after conspiracy theorists persuaded them that their voting machines were not certified. Unsurprisingly, these men were also part of an effort to get the Arizona election in 2020 thrown out. Cochise County supervisors will certify those results on the state deadline next Monday. In Mojave County, the Republicans' Board of Supervisors has no complaints for their own election director, but they have decided to delay their certification anyway. There's a protest against Election Day voting issues in Maricopa County. Maricopa County was the epicenter for election denialism back in 2020, and the glitches that affected dozens of voter tabulator machines during this election have renewed false claims of corruption. Now, the efforts of the county's top election official to push back on those claims have made him a target. He was moved to an undisclosed location for a night with an assigned security detail after someone made a specific threat against him on social media. And despite technical issues and threats, Maricopa County finished its ballot count and updated the tally of Arizona's outstanding race, State Attorney General. Those results show Democrat Chris Mays with a narrow lead of just 510 votes over Republican Abraham Hamadeh, activating an automatic recount next month. And the Republican in this race appears to be playing from a well-known handbook. Abe Hamadeh is a Trump-endorsed candidate who promised on the campaign trail that he would prosecute and jail election officials over their handling of the 2020 election. He even tweeted this image of handcuffs, alluding to arrests and saying that a, quote, day of reckoning was coming when he took office. Does that sound familiar to you? Joining us now is Democratic candidate for Arizona Attorney General Chris Mays. Uh, Miss Mays, thank you so much for being here and making time for us tonight. So lots of Concerning developments, I would say, taking place in Arizona right now, how are you feeling going into this recount?
3: Well, thanks for having me, Eamon. It's great to be with you. We're we're really confident going into the recount. As you know, we're up by 510 votes. Uh, We feel good about it. We feel as though the people of Arizona have spoken loud and clear against these election deniers, against these dangerous candidates. Up and down the ballot in Arizona, as you just talked about, people who, quite frankly, don't believe in democracy. And I think the people of Arizona came through for the country. Um, and American democracy ran through the state of Arizona. So, you know, we, we feel good about it. Obviously, we've got a recount coming up. We will go through that process. Uh, but for the most part, you know, recounts don't end up overturning elections, uh, generally speaking. So we feel good about it. But, boy... You know, it uh, was so important that we that we win this election.
0: And you're beginning to see, as I was saying there, um, that this election denialism is beginning to percolate back again. And your opponent has not been shy about his view on the outcome of the 2020 election, which raises questions about what will happen now. Do you believe he will accept the results of this recount?
3: You know, I don't know. Amen. And that you're right. It 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 really it, it uh boggles the mind. Um what the some of the things that he has said on the campaign trail, he has numerous times uh you know, said that the 2020 election was rigged. Uh, he has uh, already, you know, questioned this election. I, I don't know what he's going to do. I hope he does the right thing. But at the end of the day, this is a legal process. This is a process that's well established in Arizona. Arizona has fantastic elections, very well run elections. Our elections officials are terrific. Um, as you pointed out uh, during your lead in, we have elections officials who are literally having to go into hiding that is because of the death threats that they're experiencing. When I'm attorney general of Arizona, we're going to put an end to that. I will prosecute anyone who engages in death threats against elections officials, law and order. Uh, includes protecting our elections officials, our volunteers, uh, regular citizens who participate in the democratic process. That kind of behavior just has to stop.
0: Can I ask you, uh, Ms. Mays, finally, as you mentioned, you know, as you become, if the the result holds and you become the attorney general, um, Arizona has become ground zero for election denialism. How will you take on these challenges if you become attorney general?
3: You know, I think we, Eamon, we start by saying, look, I'm going to be the Attorney General for all of the people of Arizona, whether you're a Republican, a Democrat, or an Independent. I will be a lawyer for the people, for all of the people of Arizona. And we really have to come together. We have to go out and do a lot of education, go out and and, and come together as a community around our election system and make sure that people know uh, that Arizona's counties and County recorders and elections officials run fantastic elections. So it's going to be a long process to get over the situation that we've been put in by Donald Trump and by his uh, acolytes and his followers. But we will get there. We will get there in Arizona and and across the country.
0: All right, Democratic candidate for Arizona, Attorney General Chris Mays. Uh, Ms. Mays, thank you so much for your time tonight. Up next, Dr. Anthony Fauci is about to retire, but he has one last message for all of us before he goes. That's next. Stay with us. I'll let other people judge
1: the value or not of my accomplishments. But what I would like people to remember about what I've done is that every day for all of those years, I've given it everything that I have and I've never left anything on the field.
0: Today, after nearly 40 years as the nation's top infectious disease expert, Dr. Anthony Fauci gave what is probably his last briefing from the White House podium before he steps down in early December from his positions as chief medical advisor or officer to President Biden and director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. Dr. Fauci's career has been marked by exceptional accomplishments. He has been a key figure in the fight against HIV AIDS and most recently against the COVID-19 pandemic. He reflected on that latter today, telling reporters that combating misinformation and disinformation was one of the hardest parts of the pandemic response. Dr. Fauci talked about his own personal battle during the Trump administration to correct those who, without medical expertise, provided dubious advice to the American people. And he also urged scientists to speak out more and made one final pitch for people to get vaccinated amid rising cases of COVID, flu and RSV.
5: So
1: my message and my final message, maybe the final message I give you from this podium, is that please, for your own safety, for that of your family, get your updated COVID-19 shot as soon as you're eligible to protect
0: yourself, your family and your community. Some important words to live by. That does it for us tonight. We'll see you again tomorrow.